Coco Peru, oh my God. Lazy Bunny, as we call her in the streets. No, honey, I work Thursday, Friday, Saturday in the Hamptons, a double today, and leave for a tour tomorrow. And you know I'm dyslexic, so I got my LA Times versus New York Times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heard it all before. Look, when you are this beautiful, you can be a little ditzy. (laughs) Is that what it is? your, Your blonde is showing, girl. Yeah, the gray. Oh. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm good. I, I'm thrilled to be working this much. Uh, I it just it literally when it rains it it pours. <laughs> well, we're, we're literally we're we're officially into Pride Month, girl. Pride Pride Month is in full swing. The gigs are popping and people are working hard and a lot is going on. There are lots there are lots of goings ons happening. There are, and you know, like I did this new night called Queens at the Yard with Shaquita, who we interviewed, and with Amanda Lepore and a great singer named Storm. Uh, and you know, the first Stormy week, Daniels. No, yes, she's a great singer. Well, she's she's a she's a flautist. Um, but, uh, so, you know, after the first week I said, you know, Brandon, you know, Shaquita's going up to people and going, Hey sir, what's your name? And putting the mic in their face. I said, I need to get my own mic. And he was like, Oh, we'll sterilize Uh, it in between the shows. Then he wasn't there. So I don't, I don't know. They were all like, bunny, what's wrong? You cut one of your numbers. And I was like, you know, um, you know, this storm, you know, will give, will sing a few lines and then hand her mic to someone mm. and this is a very international crowd there's a hotel at hudson yards right. you know they may have been bringing in some variants and i just at the end of the night everyone was like bunny what was wrong i was just like listen i'm glad that we can make money here you know i'm glad that we're out and about again and mm-hmm. seeing people and i mean the shows are a hoot every friday night in new york city um but i'll miss these other ones on tour but i was kind of like this could easily go back, you know. We yeah. we we need let's not let's not let's wait a couple months before we're partying with abandon. I mean, you know, we've all been vaccinated, but let's not remember the hell that we've just been through and you know, try to take some steps. Um, you know, like for example, the in comedy clubs they do that. They sterilize the mic, but it's like the mm-hmm. days of the sound guy just set, putting the the 
the mic up to his mouth and going, check, check, check. No, you got to check your own mic. You know, if possible, yeah. bring your own mic. I like how you really thought that Brandon was going to be there every day to sanitize that fucking, every Friday to sanitize that microphone. He's he over there sanitizing something else, girl. Well, just, is, what, just poppers have a sanitary effect? <laughs> I know, you know, look, I, I know, Brandon, and, and it is something that you could forget. That's why I wish you had just said, okay, money, you can have your own mic, but we're 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 back out there i have a few high risks uh groups so you know i just don't high wanna... cholesterol high uh high yeah. high <laughs> yeah high high blood pressure <laughs> high cholesterol <laughs> high intellect high tolerance for horrible drag race queens like you <laughs> Well, going into Pride Month, we should do a little headline about Pride, don't you think, about New York City Pride? Because I, you and I both find it very fascinating. Headliners. I don't have all the info at my fingertips, but a lot of people posting about this on social media and, and very polarizing because the police um do well well some people who have to do wait first of all is there a parade oh yeah it's called the queer liberation march sorry it's a queer liberation march so is so that's not the heritage of pride main parade what well, that's i think it, it because it's the last sunday in june which is the 27th so they're calling it they're not calling it a parade they're calling it a queer liberation march this year Yes, but I believe that is uh, not Heritage of Pride. Oh, there's um, like another, there's like there's like the actual Pride Parade thing happening with like all the balloons and the thises and that's? Well, what happened two years ago was that Heritage of Pride, it was the, what, 50th anniversary of Stonewall? And so mm -hmm. they were, they got people from all over the country. Honey, the parade was not over until 10 p.m. at night. And Heritage It was also of, World Pride that year, too. So no, it was like what even it was. bigger. That's what it, yeah, that's what it was. And so yeah. Heritage of Pride is the one that has a lot of floats with, you know, corporations. And, you know, I I did. There was a splinter group called Reclaim Pride, which said no mm -hmm. corporations, no cops, and they actually attracted the first year fifty thousand people to Central Park with Larry Kramer speaking, several trans activists, Kevin Aviance, uh, uh, John Cameron Mitchell performing, and. Um, it was, and it was, it was, it was actually organized by a friend of mine named Bill Dobbs, who may come on the show to discuss this. And um, so it was, you know, I actually did both. I went to Reclaim Pride early, and then mm -hmm. I went and rode uh, because I was working on a corporate float. And Monet, as you know, we often do corporate things around Pride. Yeah. That doesn't mean that I don't. I don't think they would it, hire queens like yourself, but that's interesting. Yeah, they did. Well, it was a mental health uh, float, and they uh, wanted okay. me better to, help. Better help. To, to, yeah, to show how what can happen to you if you do not get uh, psychiatric oh. help. So um, makes sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. Anyway, the interesting thing is that over the years, Heritage of Pride has really rubbed people the wrong way. Um, they are very corporate in nature, and and I don't have a problem with corporations. As I just said, I rode in a corporate pride that day. But what they do is that they televise the parade, 
And they put the banks and the people who spent a lot of money and hired straight go-go boys on their floats. So it doesn't even feel like it's very authentic. And yes, the guys are really, really hot, but it's all seems like marketing instead of pride. And then they mm-hmm. put the, the actual activists, the, you know, we're alcoholics or we're parents of gay people or we're, you know, um, you know, they, they, they kind of put those in the back because those are just gay people, you know, without giant floats and sound system. So it can it. feel, you know, and, and and as a way to kick off, you know, World Pride's, they asked me to come and uh, do, be a backup dancer, Flotilla and I, uh, Flotilla DeBarge, excuse me, say the full name, um, and a bunch <laughs> of other people to back up Cindy Lauper. And um, so after we all did it and there was this huge launch, it turns out that the owners are like this kind of banking company, which has ties to, you know, owners that have, you know, often Republican politics. So we kind of felt like mm. we had been played. And it, it's, there's always, listen, from day one, from, from the years after Stonewall, it was always a question of, is this a parade and a big celebration where we look for hot guys or girls or whatever we're looking right. for and we get drunk and we wear skimpy costumes or is it a march where we march for our rights over the years? Um, it became much more of a party than a serious sure. march. And some of the gay people who were there to party even frowned upon the march, which made older people say, you can party because we battled, you know, police departments mm-hmm. and, you know, you know, Stonewall was uh, was star- started by, you know, people attacking the police who were, you know, coming in their mafia run bar. So there's always been a battle before the more, with the more established gays who want things like uh, gay marriage and and people who want. You know, like uh, Sylvia Rivera, who was a, a, a partner of Marsha P. Johnson, who w- mm-hmm. were at Stonewall, possibly that's all being disputed, but they did, they were activists. So there's a famous video of Sylvia Rivera saying, we need to look out for the our L- gays, brothers and sisters in uh, the um, uh, in prison. And they're being treated horribly. And, you know, of course, Marsha and Sylvia would actually... Um, you know, take up collections and give the the proceeds out to street queens. So they thought that we should help the less fortunate in our community. But the the I guess you would say moneyed interests, the 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 white you know straight acting gays wanted mm-hmm. to fight mainly for um, marriage. Gays in the uh, you know gays in the military, which were more establishment goals. So there's always been this march versus parade. In the video, actually, Sylvia Rivera was being booed, even though she's oh, you know, sto- stonewalled by, by the gays who wanted to fit in and didn't want trans or drag to represent them because they thought, we can pass, we can go to a, you know, no, nobody knows that we're gay, you know, and so if you're trans... I hate they- those kind of gays. I hate those gays i hate 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 those kind of oh i hate those guys well they 
But at, at, at the beginning, at the in the infancy, they had more power and they were better, you know, at organizing. And mm-hmm. so in this video, Sylvia's in Washington Square Park talking about the, the better treatment of the prisoners and they start booing her. And I think they put Bette Midler on to like kind of calm the crowds because they really turned on Sylvia. So that's where we are today. Uh, yeah. You know, during COVID, the the, the gay march. Well, did Jay, not- um, our, 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 our producer, Jay, just confirmed this year is going to be a virtual pride. So there's a big virtual pride celebration by Heritage. And there's also the Queer Liberation March that's happening as well. So it's both. Right. And I would imagine, I don't, I don't know if the Queer Liberation March is Reclaim Pride, but I would imagine it's the more activist wing of the party, the less For corporate. Sure. And they have said that they well, there's some dispute about having that there's no no police at the parade um last year uh when they they turned the gay march into a black lives matter march mm-hmm. and so um the someone graffitied something the police you know busted it up and sprayed tear gas and mm-hmm. were shoving people around and so now people are saying they do not want any cops at the yep. parade and um even that extends to goal the gay officers action league oh, which, really? are, which are gay police that aren't there serving as police but they just march to say hey we're gay police so I, I really don't know what my and, and I don't know I, we need to check with more info because I don't really know first of all I don't think that the, anyone in the GOAL Gay Officers Action League has ever left the the um, the parade to you know push someone or shove tear gas they're they're yeah, there with will. their people and you know I'm not religious. I don't. I think religion's been used as a weapon against gays many times, but I know that we're a big party of people, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, just like the, the Irish parade, you can be in that parade if you're Irish. Doesn't matter whether you're a sorceress or a uh, you know a a, 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 yeah. a, a post, post office worker or yeah. a, an escort or whatever. So you know, do do I like? Um, you, you know, every every group that is gay. No, I don't. But I no. also have to realize that gay is who you fuck or your gender ID. So if they if there are gay police, I marching in the parade and they've gotten rid of the other police because it makes people of color feel uncomfortable. I can deal with that. I believe the current debate well, I also, will- I also, I mean, I, I do, I, I do feel, I, I, I agree. I think that it is weird barring queer cops from attending the Pride. Uh, I, well, well, now the hearing is virtual, so they're, they're, so they're barring cops from attending the Queer Liberation March. But I'm like, if you're a cop, you just want to march. You don't need to dress up in uniform. Just show up to the Liberation March and just march as out of because at the Liberation March, they're going to be cops probably like trying to corral the people and not have them go down a certain place. But if you're a queer cop and you want to just march, just don't show up in uniform. Show up at like a like like a normal civilian. But as yes. but for the heritage celebration, I do not think that cops should be barred from that. Yeah. Like well queer cops, sorry. Queer queer cops. I like I just I I I, I don't find it to be fair. 
Well, we need to figure out exactly what's what's going on. But I know that, um, you know, the cops did rough people up at the march last year when it was a Black Lives Matter march. Now, you could say, were they graffitiing stuff? Is that legal? Does a cop have the right to stop someone graffitiing their cop car, even if it's an anti-cop Black Lives Matter, you know, march? But I'm not certain. There are a lot of people in the community who want to be, you know, sympathetic to uh, people of color who don't feel comfortable with cops there, but who also don't want to explicitly bash cops. Yes, I mean, there is a lot of red tape. There are, like, so many different... Obviously, everything is nuanced. Like, the word of the century, right? Nuance. There's so much, uh, you know, to analyze about it. But next week, we'll probably be getting... Um, uh, okay. Bill Dobbs. Bill Dobbs, Bill Dobbs the best. And, and we, we don't have him scheduled, but he is an expert on this. He's been an activist in New York City since Act Up and was one of the founders of Reclaim pride so okay. he would have all the details oh yeah that'll be great to get and, him on and also a legal aspect like he was telling me so we'll 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 definitely get him on okay cool for pride month so you said when i said that there are the 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 gay white men who were you know sometimes frowning on drag sometimes frowning on trans hate, sometimes hate they frown on leather and there is some even even if it okay okay but yeah, listen listen so sometimes i get the feeling that when the gay community was in its infancy we were all pushing for our collective rights I do feel that the gay community these days, whether it's the, you know, you hating them or sometimes lesbians don't like men or gay or otherwise, and sometimes gay men don't like lesbians. And then some of the gays are, I think, younger, uh, you know, maybe more conservative ones are turning their nose up at kink and people with, you know, giant pumped up nipples and uh, genitals. Oh. And so it's like sometimes, sometimes I feel that we... <laughs> That this is a community that is at odds with each other nowadays. You know, in, in the well, old days, you know, we were we felt like we didn't have many rights and we were pushing for everybody. But I'm not picky on you because you said I hate 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 that kind of person. I I, I didn't say it, but there are, there of course there are parts of the community that, that rub me the wrong way. Oh, for sure. When he described that gay, I knew exactly what you're talking about. He wears those like J. Crew Chino shorts. She has her little loafers on. She comes to the club with her clutch and is sitting there drinking her vodka or soda on sitting at the bar. I know exactly who she is and she's scrounging her nose up at everybody else up in the motherfucking bar. She does not watch this drag show. She talks to the bartender the whole time with her side face to the show. I know her and I'm not interested. Okay, but what if she said... I see somebody with uh, gold teeth and baggy pants and they're at the bar ordering Alizé and they, I mean, you know, it, 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 can, can I that, mean, listen, is that, is that is her prerogative. Of people gay and straight that we don't like, but we have to tolerate each other on pride. That's why I say sometimes we, we don't, we, we seem like we don't like each other anymore in the community. I mean, no. I mean, I can, I can, I can tolerate their existence, and I will march for that person, but I will not have to like them. I'm not interested. Right. And she doesn't have to like me. Good for her. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So now it is time for a little Coco Peru. And once again, Lady Buntry <laughs> has stroke, has struck, not be stroke, has struck again. And she is constantly battling the perils of the internet. And um, so I interviewed Coco by myself. And it was actually pretty charming and fierce. I'm obsessed with the, her. The stroke is next week. And. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, work. Let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, today on the Ebony and Irony podcast, we have the pleasure of having honestly a drag icon, a staple in the community, someone who has paved the way for low. Uh, low gutter bucket queens like myself, please welcome the fabulous Miss Coco Peru. Monet, thank you so much for that beautiful introduction. I'm happy to consider myself a low bucket queen as well. <laughs> a native well, New know, Yorker. <laughs> native New Yorkers, we have that in common. We are native. Can, okay, so as a native New Yorker, don't you get? Well, was there a time when you saw all these queens coming into coming into, like into the city from places like Chattanooga, Tennessee, like she who should not be named, who is not here right now? Weren't you like, uh, these motherfuckers are coming into my city and trying to do my thing? Honey, Monet, that is so actually yes. Now, Bunny was there before <laughs> I ever got into drag. Because oh, okay, you okay. Know dinosaurs and that sort of thing. They've been roaming <laughs> for a long time. From the primordial no, ooze exactly, she arose. Exactly. But I um, I always said that Bunny but Bunny was actually a mold that grew on someone's bathroom wall. I don't believe that's human. <laughs> but actually, it's, it's one of the reasons I left New York was because, oh. was because as a native New Yorker, Monet, you know, we are very friendly. Yes. Zero, zero attitude. We For might sure. we might have an edge or something that people think is like, oh, they're so honest. But mm-hmm. the, the reality is like we will help anybody. We will we will step up. We're just friendly. Agreed. And so in New York City, people used to always say to me, even with my thick Bronx accent, they would say, <laughs> you mustn't be from New York. You're so friendly. What? Yes. And he, here's the thing. People would give me young queens and everyone across the board. Like there was this edge, this attitude. Like if you were mm-hmm. if you were going to live in New York, you had to have this like sort of pretentious edge. Mm-hmm. And people would give me attitude, and I was like, "Wait a minute, you're living in my city. <laughs> like we don't behave like that, right?" I remember saying that's not how we are. Yeah. So I just I remember one time I was photocopying music at Lincoln Square Center, and every time I went up to like get another book of music, uh-huh. this this young queen would roll his eyes like, oh, there she is again. <laughs> I was like, bitch, this is your job. <laughs> and also, remember Union Square Station? Yes, the train, yeah. The train was on a curve there, and it would come yes. into that, and it would hit those tracks on that curve and let out this screech. 
And I remember I was standing there one day and I heard that screech and I thought, oh, oh I need to get the fuck out of this city. <laughs> oh, my God. So can I tell you, that's kind of a thing that happened with me. Like, you know, just one day I was like, I was in like my small two bedroom apartment and and I just had like some type of water bug infestation. And I was like, I need to get the fuck out of New York City before I literally kill someone. I, I don't, it was just like it was just a moment. I just had like a moment of weakness. I was like, yeah. this is insane. Get me out of here. But Monet, I know you'll agree with me. Having said all of that, I am so proud to be a New Yorker. For sure. I can't think of a better place to grow up. Yeah. For sure, for sure. And you know, and that's another thing too. Like, like coming from New York City, like when I tell people I grew up and went to school, they're like, "You like went to school there?" I'm like, "Yes, bitch. We have schools like everybody else." And they're like, "But I just, I just don't understand." I'm like, "It's I went to school in Manhattan on a on a, on a school on 48th Street, and I took the train to and from. Like, I I don't know how else to explain it to you, but they get so flabbergasted by the by the concept of high schools in New York City." Yes, and not only that, yeah. but I didn't go. I went to high school in the Bronx, a Catholic high school. Huge mistake. Ooh, but, all, um, all boys? No, it was not. I made sure oh. of that. I did go to a co-ed school. I got no. it. But um, <laughs> when we could afford it, the other great thing about growing up in New York was that we were close to Manhattan, so you could go to like museums, or uh, when my parents could afford it, they would bring me to a Broadway show. You know, so yeah, I didn't, I didn't go to. I mean, my school took us on little Broadway trips, but you know. Yeah, I, so, I saw them with school as well. But anyway, let's address the fact that someone is not here. So let me tell y'all on this podcast, y'all have often heard the struggles of Lady Buntry when it comes to technology, when it comes to the stereo app. Um, what y'all don't see behind the scenes is, is when it comes to uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not not on timely uh, to get timeliness. Yeah, is that a thing? <laughs> And I would just call it what it is. Lazy fucking <laughs> cow. <laughs> Lazy bunny. Lazy bunny. Lazy bunny. Dumb so, bunny. So la- so last week with Shaquita, we had like a whole uh, last week's episode with Shaquita Hall. We like had a whole day, and then Bunny showed up, and she's like, "Girl, I'm I'm, I'm really tired. I, I didn't realize it was today, so we had to reschedule for the next day, and we did it. So today we had a, an appointment set up to do the podcast. Lady, um, myself, Coco Peru, and our producer Jay were sitting in the little waiting room waiting for Bunny. Five, two minutes goes by, three minutes, five minutes. We've all called her, and she has not answered the phone. So I was like, you know what? We have we are graced with Coco Peru's presence. We are not wasting this moment. So I'm doing this interview and we're seeing if Bunny will maybe pop up, Coco. Yeah, it's it's like the mystery guest. We're waiting for her uh, arrival, hoping she doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Continuing on that Bunny thing, it's just funny to me that we actually had the schedule for yesterday and I could not have right. been more clear with her. Are you sure I'm on the Pacific Coast? Are you looking at the, like, are you sure we're doing this? at? You know, and then finally we agreed to it. And then, like an hour later, she's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I made a mistake about the timing." My so we scheduled it for today, and she's still not on time. So still not here, girl. girl All right, girl, what girl. was your first Coco experience? My Monday? first Coco for experience. I was sitting at home. It was maybe like 2002 or three, and I just started watching the Will and Grace show even though it was on for a few years. And it was obviously, so everyone knows, it's a syndicated show. You know, it's, it's been on for decades at this point. And then the scene, the, the one where they call you on the phone and then you're getting in full drag comes on. And I was like, 
this person A is so funny, but I remember your wig. And as you know, Coco Peru has the iconic brown flip wig. And I just, that was my first Coco Peru experience. And I was like, and then from there, it's like one of those things like like when you have a car, you start seeing that car on the street all the time. And then from there, I started seeing you in all these other things on TV. And I was like, and now I know about who Coco Peru is. Talk to us about Will and Grace. Oh, that was great fun. I was I was actually invited on that episode you're talking about because the um, two friends of mine were writing on the show and the the uh, producer was a fan of mine. So I got to, oh, I, had to audi- I did have to audition, but um, okay, okay. And then the, the woman auditioning, I did my audition. She said, "Oh, you're a little too big. Take it down a notch." And I looked at her like, "Have you watched the show?" Right. I was like, are you kidding me, Karen and Jack? Yeah. But anyway, I took it down a notch and I I did it. And um, it was very, very exciting. I thought it would lead to more episodes, but it didn't. Uh And uh, it sort of introduced me as Jack. I also thought it was hilarious. And I did say to him, I said, you know, drag queens across America are not going to believe that a person could get in drag in like 30 seconds. (laughs) But you did it. Well, I didn't in real time. They had me. I know, I know, I know. Yeah. Trick a camera, but um, that was great. And then, of course, all these years later, it was wonderful to be invited back. And what I really noticed was that, you know, back when they filmed that show, the first go round, uh, you know, a character like Jack couldn't have a lover. There was no kissing. Right, right. I was, I was a drag queen still living at home with their mother. Like just right. And then, like all these years later, to be invited back, and it's like. Not only can Jack kiss, he's getting married. I performed the marriage in full drag. I was the successful owner of a gay club. It's It was a completely different experience mm. just culturally, like how far yeah. we've come. And yeah. uh, so that was really- Did you get like a lot of exposure from that? Like after that, were, were people like, oh my God, Coco Roof from Will and Grace? Because obviously it was well, like, it was such a big show. Well, it was weird because I was only on the show for like 20 seconds. Yeah. And, and I, I realized then, and this was, of course, before RuPaul's Drag Race, I realized mm. that television is so powerful because mm. I would be on a cruise, say, or out somewhere as Coco, and straight people would run up to me and be like, oh, my God, Coco Peru. Gag. And I, and I think, oh, well, where did you see my show? What city did you see my show? And they'd be like, no, we saw you on Villain Grace. Or we saw you on Arrested <laughs> Development. And I was like, wait, I was on that for five seconds. How do you, yeah, that, that's when I realized how powerful television is. And through through the pandemic, uh, how was how the, the, as the TikTokers call it, the pandemic Lovato, how was that treating you? Because I see you you have this huge cruise coming up soon. So you're, you're back on the road. I'm not back on the road quite yet. I've been asked to, but I'm still taking my time. Um, but I do have that cruise coming up in January with Bunny and, Jackie and Varley, like legends of drag and uh, and hot chocolate as well. Hot chocolate, yeah. I love that so much. I've always wondered if, let's say, you got an email from World of Wonder Tomorrow saying, hey, we want to do an all-legend season. Are you interested? The cash prize is $500,000. Are you interested in doing it? The only reason I would do that, I I hate competition. Mm -hmm. Like, that just makes me nervous. But mm-hmm. the reason I would do it is because I know I would have the biggest laugh hanging out with my sisters. <laughs> like, it would just be an yeah. excuse to be all hanging out together. When I did the Drag Queens of Comedy tour, I got to hang mm-hmm. out with everyone. 
that was so much fun. And being a solo performer for 30 years, I realized yeah. how much I actually crave the company of my fellow, you know, queens. It's, it's yeah. so much fun, you know? And that's yeah. the thing. It's like most of us who are professional that have lasted this long in the business, we didn't last this long by being bitches and mean to each other and thinking yeah. we're better than everybody. I think part of the reason why we're successful is because we're actually nice, decent people who enjoy watching each other succeed and want to build each other up. So there's not that competition in us on some level. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, no, for sure, yeah. for sure. And then again, I think that that's something that it would 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 set if if they were to do this legendary and now I, I i say this now it's gonna be all these things about oh my god the legendaries i i am literally just making this up oh. in my head i just i don't I know honestly I'm just saying. I, I honestly don't believe it would ever happen honestly. why i think it could happen i i just don't see it happening i mean none of us have even been invited on the show as a as a guest judge or as a yeah. person to help yeah, with that's... the queens i mean when i saw the comedy yeah. challenge years ago and I saw who they, who all my friends that were chosen to be, um, you know, the, to help them with their comedy challenge. I thought, why wouldn't they ask me and Jackie Beat and Lady Bunny and people who are actually queens doing comedy out on the road and yeah. has survived before we were even allowed to be anywhere near a television set, you know? But for sure, that, for sure. It's, it, it, it works. The show works. Obviously, it's successful. So I don't, I don't, um, I don't harbor any kind of bad thoughts about it. I just thought mm -hmm. um, like that's kind of why I don't see it happening is because there's never been a reason to have us on. Yeah. yeah. That's that's always been my qualm with the show that they don't work in like like for example, I'm like I always say, why don't they get someone like Peaches Christ to write these terrible acting challenges? I was right. like Pete like this like Peaches Christ can take can turn a parody out in like bitch half a day. Like hire her to write these things instead of these terrible writers who don't and they're you know, every season they get worse and worse and worse, girls. So I'm like, they're doing themselves a disservice by not hiring, bringing back people like you, like you said, like Jackie B, like Peaches Christ to come in and really turn shit around, you know? Yeah, but, it's, but I, at the end of the day, I will say this. The fact that I've survived in drag for 30 years is really what I choose to focus on. That's yeah, like, for, I, for I, sure. The fact that I have fans that have kept me employed for 30 years, it's like that's where I pour all of my energy. It's, it's into the fans. Yeah. Well, and again, because again, I feel like different from now, I feel like there you, um, you came up in a time where queens like you weren't like you were doing drag because you fucking love drag. You weren't doing it because I want to be a rocket. I want you like you like I love fucking drag. I am funny as fuck and I'm going to start my show. Speaking of you, your first one, Miss um, Coco Peru in my in my goddamn cabaret in nine in 92. So were you a kid who grew up? Uh, wanting to do cabaret or you started dragging you were like oh this is the next avenue like what came first you know what I mean like which was the thing that came first I had no thoughts about being a drag queen um, I went to I was always wanted to be a performer and an actor and I went to school uh, for in college theater oh okay theater program. but Got it, it was very it was very shaming on some of them I mean I knew I was funny and people enjoy. People would come see me in a show, not not to see me disappear into the character, but to sort of see me what I would do with the character. And so mm -hmm. I always related to people like Bette Midler or Robin Williams because mm. they, even when you saw them in a in a in a movie, you always knew. You never forgot it was Robin Williams or Bette Midler. You know, they were bringing right 
right. their essence to it. And that's sort of kind of what I recognized in myself. So then, um, but it was very shaming because I was always being told to butch up and oh that I was God, never going to make it. Butch up thing. So I, uh, when I finally graduated, I st- came out and I was hanging out in the city and I, I started to get more in- involved in the activism of the gay movement and wanting mm-hmm. to be a part of that. And I realized that like, in order for things to change, it doesn't just happen. You don't just wait for it to happen. You actually yeah. are the ones to make it happen. And so mm-hmm. I decided that um, I had read a book about Native American two-spirited people. Mm. And I, I thought, oh, my God, that's the first time I ever identified with something that is of how I felt inside. There were no words uh-huh. like non-binary. That, that didn't exist back then. And so right. when I saw Two-Spirit, I thought, that's who I am. I have, I've always felt an energy of male and female. I never, I always felt both this and that, never one or the other. And so I decided that I was going to be this modern day two-spirited person. I wasn't going to pretend to be female, but I, was, I wasn't going to dress as a male. I was going to be both. And so gotcha. I, and I decided to start writing my first show. I booked it before I even had it written. Wait, okay, booked it where? Where? At, it was at a place called Fifty Five Grove Street. It was also known as Rose's Turn. It was a cabaret club. I called them. I said, "I'm going to have a show ready in three months." I'd never done drag. <laughs> I didn't know what I was going to do, but I needed that deadline to inspire myself to create. So often people talk about wanting to do something, but they that's all they ever do is they keep talking about it. And I realized yeah. that de- having a deadline and being held accountable uh, is very powerful. So um, I've always used deadlines as a way to motivate myself. Yeah. I wish that could be me, girl. I, I know what the deadline is, and then in my mind, it's due a week after the deadline. You know what I mean? So it kind of <laughs> fucks me up. Maybe that, well, that's apparently... Penny's like that as well. <laughs> oh my God. So we recently had an online miscommunication. Okay, so let me tell you about this leg thing, Coco. <laughs> so if y'all listen to Sibling Rivalry, we had a Sibling Rivalry episode and I forgot what we were talking about, but it comes up and Bob says something about, about, I forgot how Bob brought Coco Peru up. And then I said, yeah, and that's so crazy. She does it all like with like her fake leg. And Bob was like, what do you mean her fake leg? I was like, girl, Coco Peru has a fake leg. But I was like, Monet, she does not have a I was like, Bob, I'm telling you, like, I'm telling you she does. And then we call Sherry Vine on the phone. Sherry Vine is like, Monet, what the fuck are you talking about? Coco is not a big leg. And I was, so where that came from was I was on the, I was on the, um, the Queens of Comedy tour in Australia when I first got on drag. It was my first Australian tour. It was with Jackie Beat. Lady Bunny and some other draggers, Ginger Mint, some other draggers, girls. And then Jackie Beat and Bunny had me in the thing, like we were in the dressing room, and you came up. And then either Jackie or Bunny said something about you having a fake leg. I was like, I was like, Coco Peru, like, 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 like world famous Coco Peru. Like, she has like a fake leg, and then, and she, they're like, yeah, yeah, girl, she has. I was like, I was like, that's fair. So I was like, I would, I was like, I would never know. So all these years since 2017, I've been telling everyone, girl, did you know Coco Peru has a fake leg? And they were like, she does. I'm like, yeah, girl, she's fierce, bitch. It was that's how the literally of gave the telephone. I can't tell you how much joy that brought me. I love that you were spreading a rumor about me and my fake leg. It just brought me so much joy. It's perfect. I'm sorry. It's something I would do. 
But I, you're not completely like way off. I mean, I have, a, I do wear a brace on my leg. Got and, it. And so sometimes people call that brace my fake leg. And maybe got that's it. how it got started. But yeah, I had an accident when I was a teenager that's left okay. my left leg uh, partially paralyzed. So I have to wear a brace. Got it, got it. That's why I walk funny. And, you know, sometimes queens will call me. And that's why I've always had to wear the ugliest shoes because <laughs> it's so hard to find a shoe with a small yeah. heel that's actually cute. Right, so, right, right, right. For 30 years, I've been red to filth for my heels, but then I was, I'm always like, you know, I am crippled, and then I, I try to make them feel horrible. About <laughs> anyway, I've not done so bad for a crippled drag queen. Uh, girl, you're world renowned, world famous. Um, so I want to talk about like the, the two huge films that a lot of uh, uh, folk know you from: Trick and um, Girls Gone Wild. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I wish I wild. was in a Girls Gone Wild. <laughs> girls, girls will be girls. <laughs> um, so in my mind, these are. Because, again, you're Kokopur, right? So in my mind, these are, like, offer only. I'm like, is not auditioning for these things. They're, like, going to her and being like, we want you in this thing. Here's a million dollars. Do our movies. True or false? Well, a million dollars is completely, I mean, like, <laughs> maybe a thousand, if I'm lucky. <laughs> I laugh when you do television or film. People think you make a lot of money. Even when right. I did even when I did Will Girl. and Grace, mm-hmm. uh, surprisingly what I would make in one week being on will and grace this last time Mm -hmm. around, I actually made in doing one show out on the road. Yeah. It's like, they don't pay you that much. Yeah. But people swear, people see you on see the same thing that people see you on one television thing. They're like, Ooh, you're, you're, you're a millionaire. Yeah. They Uh, think you make a lot of money. And that's sort of scary. You're in the top 1%, honey. Yeah. How dare you tell me about my outfit? You know, exactly. But um, no, Trick came about because I helped my friend audition people for a script that at that time was called Gay Boy. So I was reading all the other characters against these actors. And then my friend Jim said, why don't you play the part that later went to Tori Spelling and for the first reading? And I said, sure. So then I read it and everyone said, keep the drag queen in that part. And they knew that didn't make sense. So then they wrote me uh, a little part in that movie. But that's how I got in it. And then I did uh, Girls Will Be Girls because I had been asked to do a benefit out here in LA and they hooked me up with uh, Jack Plotnick who played Evie. And we did right. a live benefit where we were both co-hosting. And the reality was that we, I, all that energy of like, sort of like stay away from me mm-hmm. is was accurate. That's how I felt about Evie and Jack at the time. I was just like, you are too much, get away from me. But it translated beautifully on stage. And so Richard Day, who wrote and directed the movie, thought there's something there. And so yeah. he he actually sold it to Showtime, including Varla. He wrote a script. He wrote a couple of scripts, sold them to Showtime. It was going to be a Showtime series. And then Whoa. Showtime passed on it at the last minute. And that's really, I feel like I've always been slightly ahead of my time like you know what i mean with things in fact mm-hmm. i just saw like clay aiken is producing this drag show about politics and whatnot yeah lady bunny myself and this other queen we did a it wasn't my idea it was this other queen's idea but we filmed a pilot of a political talk show and um and nobody wanted to touch it 
gag. And now yeah. here comes Clay and Aiken we, and his gay yeah. ass. So we're like, yeah. let's do a political talk show. You're like, bitch, that's my idea. And, yeah. And, but again, yeah. It, it's, just, it's just funny how, how um, sometimes, you, like I've always had the vision of what drag could be. It just, it takes a while for society to catch, to catch up. up. Yeah. And it even yeah. takes a long while for the gay community to catch up. And by gay mm-hmm. community, I just it, it, I mean the powers that be that are LGBT in this community that have always you know when gay marriage was they were trying to get that to pan they were they yeah you know, well it's all about timing we have to be smart about this and I, and my feeling was like no it's it's like now's the time this is my life yeah like I'm not waiting yeah. around for it to be safe like right girl you know so yeah that's, you know when you're a drag queen. It, you you understand that it's never been about being safe. It's always because mm-hmm. because once you step outside the the box, and you've lived outside of that box, you understand that that's where the magic happens. That's where mm-hmm. you you're create you're creating your life, and so you don't you don't play it safe. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying to be make stupid rash de- decisions. Yeah, you're right, right. But I'm just right, saying right. about you know, like no, we, we we get to create who we are. Drag taught me that. Like yeah. that was the beautiful thing about drag is that while you're busy creating Monet or Coco Peru, you're actually creating yourself, your life, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and that's an invaluable lesson to learn because there's a lot of people who who are just living a life that's uh, roles that they've been told they have to play. And oh, drag, for sure. drag for sure. just busts through that. Yeah. And, and and honestly, I think now even more so than ever, like I like these these uh, Gen Zers and these younger kids, like I feel like they're gonna grow up in a world that's so obviously there's always more work to be done, right? But it's still a world that's so like acceptable. Like I have I cannot I cannot tell you how many friends and even family members that tell me like their kids are like coming down and telling them, Mom, like from the age of like nine or eight, like I'm I feel like I identify as non binary. I don't feel all like a boy. Like I feel I don't feel all like a girl. Like they're just so they're just so open and all these like thirteen, fourteen year old kids in high school like dating boys and girls and everyone is just fluid and just living their fucking lives. And it's I'm like amazing. they're like creating a really dope future. Yeah. I have moments yeah. of like, that's so beautiful. I want to cry. And then there's just moments of like, I am so bitter. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. For sure. For sure. <laughs> um, and then also I feel my, going back to your, to the, to the films a little bit, I just feel like, like when I was a young, and I guess it's because they don't have to hide as much. And that there is more on TV. Like there is pose and all these shows. But when I was younger, like my gay education came from movies like Trick, like from Broken Hearts Club, uh, like like all those like 90s and early 2000s movies. Like that's how I got educated about gay shit. But I guess with the accessibility now, these younger kids, they don't, they don't even know those old films. And I guess that's right. kind of like older folk telling me like, older movies from the 80s and stuff. And I was like, I don't need to watch that. But I just wish that they did because those movies were so informative to me and I I, I love them. Well, Girls Will Be Girls is actually, um, it's going to be available for streaming in June. Oh my God. For Pride. It, it's oh on my a, God, that's great. Like, Do y'all Amazon hear that? And yes, Apple Amazon. And all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But the, the funny thing is, it, it will be interesting to see how the younger generation takes that kind of movie because the humor in it is very dark. It's totally right. politically incorrect, and yeah. it's very drag, you know, very 
gay and drag driven as far as the sensibilities, mm-hmm. but maybe of us the older generation where we were willing to, you know, say things that the younger ge- generation. So it'll be interesting to see um, how they how they take it. And I hope that they're open to it, knowing that um, in the safety of our community, it's fun to, you know, someone wrote yesterday to me, when you say no on all of um, uh, Bianca Del Rio's posts, it makes you look very petty. And I right. and I thought, well, first of all, Bianca is the one that started it. She would write no on every single one of my posts. So I mm-hmm. was just, I started doing it to her and it gave us giggles. And but I thought, are you even a fan of drag? Like, that's just amazing to me that you can't see through that. Like, two drag queens ripping each other is is a part of drag I hate culture. It. I hate it so much. I hate it so much. I hate it so much. How do you? Um, how do you? How do you adjust your? I mean, well, not how do you? Have you? Or do do you plan on? Or will you adjust your? comedy with this new PC. I've had to. I've had to. Yeah. Because I'll tell you something. I always thought, well, no, they're gonna have to like deal with it. But when you're up in front of an audience and they've turned on you and you're <laughs> trying to win them back over, it's exhausting. And I thought, right. you know what? It's just not worth it. Yeah. Uh, for me to go there. And it's really interesting to, I feel like I've had to water things down. I actually thought about calling my last show ever. Like when I retire, I was going to call it cancel me, please. (laughs) (laughs) I just say all the shit you wanted to say. I will just say all the awful things I've ever wanted to say. And those people who are in the know will know it's all just fun and good and be laughing their asses off. And then everybody else can cancel me. (laughs) <laughs> and, and then if everything goes left, just be like, uh, how dare you? Well, your ableism is showing. I am a, I am crippled. How dare you come <laughs> right. for me? <laughs> oh. And also something people at Coco, I, and I, I've, I've heard interviews of you talking about it before, but everyone needs to hear, just for the Ebony Irony listeners, about the infamous, the famous, sorry, Coco Peru wig. We need to know about... Miss <laughs> Brown with the flipped edges. How did she come to be? And was, you should start selling them. You should you should have a line of these, Coco. Uh, well, Target already did it. I couldn't believe it when I walked in Target. Did they like, shut up? There's my no, wig, and the the models even doing like the Coco face. They they don't they carried it for one Halloween. But anyway, Got it. it was simply because when I first started Coco, I had like a big Anne Margaret like hairdo of course the kids mm-hmm. are like who the hell is Anne margaret but anyway I have this big big hairdo and but it needed to be styled almost every week if, sometimes i could stretch it out for a couple of weeks right mm-hmm, but the guy mm-hmm. who did it was this lovely guy named frank and after a year of him having some he didn't charge me he was a friend of the family um I could tell when he saw me coming that he was like, oh, Jesus, here she comes. <laughs> oh, Christ. And I, I, I was, you know, I didn't have the money to pay him what he should, you know. So I started to feel guilty. And then I thought, I've got mm-hmm. to come up with another solution, something that I can do, I can take care of. I am not talented when it comes to hair and makeup. And me so, either. I'm um, not. I'm not, no. the, I'm not the hair and, and makeup so girl. so the flip, I, you know, it's something I can take care of. It's easy. And also, I have always been drawn to silhouettes, and Mm -hmm. I decided. Did you just throw in? Well, I'm. I'm. You're. You're good at makeup. 
Yeah, I don't know why I said makeup. For, I don't know why I said makeup. I'm, I'm like actually really great at makeup. Hair, I'm not talented in hair at all. So I feel you on that. Yeah, well, I'm not talented in either. And I love the young kids nowadays <laughs> that call me out and say, Coca Peru isn't a real drag queen. She doesn't do drag makeup. And it's is like, they really? Oh, yeah, I've seen things. And it's, it's, my feeling is like, wait a second, drag. When I started, first of all, if you look at all the pictures of the 90 drag queens, they did do that big makeup. Oh, there yeah, were, it was small. There were, there were a few of them who did, but they were doing like, you know, clown, clownish stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you look at a lot of us, we did not do that over-the-top makeup. Jackie mm-hmm. Beat did, and I really give her a lot of credit for the look that a lot of queens are doing now. But mm. number two, um, drag was whatever you wanted it to be. It wasn't a look. It was about creating who you wanted to be, who you felt like you were on the inside and bringing it forth. And so that's what drag was always to me. I remember one time I did a, I was doing a benefit um, show in North Carolina and part of the money was going to this local gay group on the college campus. And they Mm -hmm. were upset because I was invited and they wanted wanted a drag queen from RuPaul's Drag Race. So they they wrote a letter. And I don't know why the people that ran the theater thought it was a good idea to actually send me the letter because it was such a mean letter. But they said, <laughs> Coco Peru looks like she buys her dresses at, uh, I forget it, what, um, Dillard's. <laughs> <laughs> and my response was, Dillard's has some pretty nice things. But anyway. <laughs> But uh, again, it was their their concept of what drag is. But yeah, anyway, yeah. I will say this. Those kids came to see my show in North Carolina. I got a huge standing ovation. They saw my craft. They saw all the work that I put into a show. And they they got it. And they said that they got it. And they really appreciated me. And I thought, well, you know what? Mission accomplished. And after that, <laughs> and after that, they took their tiki, their tiki torches and stormed Charlottesville, North Carolina. So thank exactly. you for that. We have we have you to thank for that, Coco. Yes. Um, <laughs> we're really quick. I, I love what you, I love I love what you just said with the whole thing because I think that since Drag Race, I think Drag Race has done fucked up the game a little bit. And I cannot tell you how many queens I see do a one woman show, and I'm like, but this. Sometimes I don't want I don't want to sound shady. But I'm like this is misleading. Like because when I think of one woman shows, I think about Whoopi, I think about um, Robin Williams, I think about you, I think about like a true like one woman show and how Bob has crafted one and stuff like that. And when I see Queens advertise a one woman show, I'm like, but it's not a one woman show. You have like two dancers and you do three numbers and then you leave. I'm like that's not a one woman show. That's just you coming and do some numbers. And it 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 gets me. It really gets me upset because I'm like, it's just, I just feel like they're just cheapening the craft of what a one woman show is because it is so much more than that. It's such a labor of love for, for, for comedians and funny people and people who tell stories great. And I just hate that. Does that, does that trigger you? It, it upsets me greatly. It does trigger me. And I, the thing is, is that when I get triggered, my husband will always say to me, why did you create Coco Peru? And that brings me right back to, oh yeah, because I wanted to be an openly gay performer and change the world. And as long as I, as long as I operate from that place, I'm okay. As soon as I start to get triggered by, you know, that stuff, it kind of distracts me. But mm-hmm. in all honesty, I feel like 
when I was growing up, and again, I, I sound like one of those old people, but the people that I admired, B. Arthur, Liza Minnelli, all these, mm-hmm. you know, you mentioned Robin Williams and Whoopi Goldberg, they were huge inspirations for me. And I would sit and listen mm-hmm. to their comedy albums. And, and, the, and the mixture of not only comedy, but like really thoughtful stuff, really mm-hmm. thoughtful, mm-hmm. especially Whoopi Goldberg, it had yeah. a huge impact on me and my need and want to develop a craft. Mm-hmm. And so often I look at what passes today for craft and that's what's upsetting to me because I feel like sometimes the younger generation are getting cheated and accepting, for sure. you know, and I, and I do remember there was a, like right around when, when RuPaul's Drag Race first started, I could go, I remember I went to Dallas a few times and I would sell out and the audience was totally into my shows. Mm-hmm. And then I went back and the show didn't sell out. And of course that always feels a little bit like, oh God, am I losing, you know, whatever. And then I realized they had booked on the same night, a girl from RuPaul's Drag Race, but she was downstairs Mm -hmm. in the bar part or she was after me, I forget. But I do remember the line went around the block and they had to add an extra show for another line that went around the block and even sell tickets to another room where people would watch it from TV. And I do remember thinking, she lip synced two songs. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And I love lip syncing. I love Same. it. I mean, yeah, I, I, do I, it. Even, <laughs> I even love to lip sync myself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But that was sold as a show. Right. And I thought, yeah. oh my God, I spend three months writing a show. I create tracks that I sing to. You know, it's like, I have theater type seating, you know, mm-hmm. to create that intimacy. But it's just like at the end of the day, again, I just try to focus on the fans and the audience and not get caught up in that. But yes, it is a little bit of, if I'm going to be completely honest, Monet, with you, it is a little bit yeah. of a trigger for me. Oh, for and sure. I, I, I feel I, badly I say, yeah. saying that because I feel like it pits me up against other queens. And that is not no. at all what I want because I will sit there and carry on and support anybody who has the courage to put on a dress and be self-expressed, mm-hmm. no matter what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. sure, no, and and if, um, again, I'm someone of this of this newer school, I guess, and the younger generation of drag race of drag, and um, I, but I see it within us. You know what I mean? I just, I, I, I just. I wish that we would like think of different language and just to call things what they really are. Like, cause like a one woman, a one woman show is such a huge labor. And, and again, and not to say that these, that what some girls do as one woman shows is not, but it's, I think that they're just two different things. And I just have such a reverence for the older interpretation of a one woman show is as opposed to what the newer is. And you know what? It's, it's all taste, but bitch, I said what I said and I'm not apologizing <laughs> for it. And I, that's how I feel. <laughs> and nobody, nobody better come for me. Cause I'm crippled. <laughs> Monet says I have a fake leg. <laughs> Coco, is there anything else you want to plug? This has been absolutely delightful chatting with you. And this has been great because Bunny isn't here and she likes to interrupt. So I'm happy that I got to have this time without Bunny interrupting well, shit. I, I get to talk to Bunny all the time on the phone. So it was nice yeah. actually getting to know you, Monet. And I, I I do I love I love my sisters. I love working. I hope that we get to work together someday. Yes. Me and too. um I just 
I have nothing else to plug, just that I can't wait to get back in front of a live audience. Yes. And see people again. Yeah. Yeah. I hope I hope that club in Texas listens to this and y'all uh uh book of Coco at the biggest motherfucking <laughs> venue and we're gonna sell that bitch the fuck out. Period. All right, Monet, I love you. Love you so much. Thank you, babe. Thank you. That was honestly, y'all, comment below, chime in. Was that not the best Ebony and Irony interview you've heard? I, I oh, can't put my finger you, on bitch. it. I can't I put my can. finger on it, but something was really great about that interview. Oh, God. Oh, really? Coco called me to complain. She was like, I, 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 the worst questions I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was really fun. It was really a pleasure to interview Coco. I, I loved it a lot. Um, I'm really excited to talk to uh, Bill Dobbs next week. Yes, yes. He's going to give us all a lowdown on what's happening with the police. And, you know, this happens in other places, too. I was booked two years ago or one year ago for New Zealand's Gay Pride. And because of police mistreatment of the Aborigine community, um they canceled the entire thing. Oh. <laughs> what? This is happening elsewhere. Um, the, the police, I was booked for New Zealand Gay Pride, and uh-huh. they canceled the whole thing because, um, you know, the, the, the organizers didn't think they could do it without police, but the Aborigine community felt that the police had mistreated them for so long that they didn't feel oh, well, comfortable yeah. being there either. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you know, honestly, traveling the world and you hear about the turmoil of how so many different communities are. I mean, again, it's not news, but long story short, the world is fucked up and people with privilege constantly abuse their power and then get shocked and and are are in awe when the people who have been abused are finally uh, speaking out and being like, no, you can't do this anymore. They're like, but we've been doing it for so long. Like, what do you mean we, we can't do this anymore? Like, bitch, what I said. You can't do it anymore. And it's always like this big thing. And it's usually not the people with lighter skin that are getting abused. um, Thank y'all again for listening. Listen, you guys, please have, you have been doing it. And we're very grateful going to Apple podcasts and leaving us ratings and reviews. It it helps the podcast a lot more than, you know, and also um, listening to our ads. And if, if an ad speaks to your fantasy, use that code, the Ebony code, baby, get your discounts, get your flowers, honey, live. Podcast Network.